What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are talking championship week picks, power rankings, top 10. And I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit of the, the playoff picture. We'll talk a little bit about some odds and ends in the Big Ten. Uh, a couple of sad things that, that have happened over the past week. Uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review. Uh, I want to I wanna thank... Uh, one of the the listeners out there uh, for for leaving a review. Again, I, if you leave a review or you send me an email, I'm going to talk about you on the podcast. So it you know give incentive. But Douglas Wi one nine five seven wrote, "I am a Wisconsin fan and like getting a rundown of the Big Ten. Zach is interesting, intelligent, and fair minded. You are being way too generous to me, my friend, but I appreciate it." He owns his missed calls. <laughs> I've had a lot of them this this year. He praises teams evenly, and I feel informed and enjoy listening. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate the review. Appreciate you listening in. Uh, I uh, I hope that you, as a Wisconsin fan, have more to cheer about, especially with Luke Fickle coming in as the head coach. Uh, I know I was a little critical about that last uh, last podcast, but you know I. I'm a huge Luke Fickle fan, so I, I hope hope it works out for Wisconsin. Uh, although low key, I kind of I kind of hope he does well. That if Ryan Day would move on, he goes to Ohio State. But that's that's just me being a Buckeye fan. Uh, but I appreciate the review. Again, leave a review, leave uh, leave feedback. Whether it's a five star review or a one star review, I just really welcome the feedback. I'd love to to continue to get the podcast out there. Send me an email, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Big Ten Football Talk on those handles. We uh, we certainly appreciate your love and your feedback. Let's get right into the power rankings and my top 10 for the week, and then we'll talk a little bit about some news out of Ann Arbor. We'll talk a little bit about some sad news uh, about Mickey Joseph and then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll get into the championship week picks. Um, power rankings, I'm going to start from bottom bottom up. Uh, Northwestern is 14, as they've kind of been almost all year. Again, just got their doors blown off by Illinois this past week. And they just have not shown anything since week one. Um, in fact, the, the best thing that maybe they've shown is a close game against Purdue and a close game against Ohio State. Other than that, they, they really haven't shown anything, uh, which it, it, it just begs the question, you know, what – I just I, – I question Pat Fitzgerald. And, and it, he's a great coach. He has been great for so many years. But sometimes you just it, – it, it, things become stale. And so, you know, you just wonder – he's been there for a long time, I think – 16 years, I want to say, ever since uh, Randy Walker passed away. And he has done such a great job, but 
it has been a rough stretch for Northwestern. So, yeah, just curious to see what happens there. Um, I'm not saying he should be fired. I just want to be clear. I just – I wonder how many more years before Pat and Northwestern kind of both agree like, yeah, this is not working anymore. So – I say all this, he could win the West next year. So that that just tends to be what Northwestern does is when no one expects anything from them, they then start beating teams they they shouldn't. Well, that I would say they shouldn't. Um, and what do I know? I've gotten everything wrong this year. 13, I have Rutgers. Um, again, they got dominated by Maryland. Number 12, Indiana. They struck early against Purdue, but just really could not finish anything um, and and really just struggled down the stretch. Still, 4-8, and eight, and I know 4-8 and eight is not what Indiana fans want, but to go 4-8 and eight instead of 2-10 and 10 or 1-11, and 11, quite honestly, is like, I hate to say it's overachieving at 4-8, and eight, but it kind of is overachieving. Like I, I actually think Tom Allen did a pretty good coaching job this year with with all the 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 dearth of talent in Indiana, and you know with I, I don't know I think Talia is a senior, but he he has the option to stay at Maryland. But if he doesn't, and some of those receivers move on, Indiana has a chance to maybe rise a bit in the next year or two. You know, Michigan State struggled a bit. I don't know what their schedule will look like, but this this could be actually I, – I thought Tom Allen would be on the hot seat after this season. I actually wonder if this could be a restart for him as they keep moving. Uh, number 11 is Nebraska. You know, big win against a team that was over 500, and, he, and they did it in Iowa – and so I know that Iowa's offense has been really, really bad, but for Nebraska to go, Nebraska to go on the road to finish strong like that, you know they they are above those other three teams. I was actually tempted to put them number ten, but because Michigan State had a better record at five and seven, I, I put Michigan State there. But Michigan State they had a chance to get to bowl eligibility and they blew it, and I. I, I felt like – again, I, I felt like they should have beat Indiana and they didn't. Indiana did a great job, but Michigan State I think choked a little bit. And I think Mel Tucker – you know, there's there's some questions there. You know, like I, I thought they would struggle this year. I didn't think they'd go 5-7. and seven. So Michigan State at 10, Wisconsin at 9. Again, they, they finished 6-6 six and six with a loss – uh, against Minnesota, you know, obviously they're they're going in a different direction than Jim Leonard. Luke Fickle's there, so they're going to have to restart there. There sounds like there's a little turmoil. Uh, Braylon Allen may may be transferring out. Maybe some other transfers. There's there's certainly some frustration amongst Wisconsin alumni. Iowa at eight, they had everything in front of them, and they and they blew it. And I think Kirk Ferentz really has to consider what is the future of his program. 
Um, and Gary Barta has to figure that out too as the athletic director because that offense, um, that that offense needs to change. And granted, there's there's news that Cade McNamara is transferring to Iowa, which that is a very good thing. I think Cade McNamara might be the best quarterback they've had in ten years. That being said, what are they going to do with him? And, you know, they had a they they also have a receiver transferring out. So they've got to figure something out with the offense, and I, I'm not sure Brian Ferentz can stay there. Uh, and I think the longer he stays, the more it's going to be apparent that there's a problem. So Minnesota at seven, they finish eight and four. Good season for them. I, I think a, a, a respectable season for them. I thought they could have done better. I, I predicted them to be in Indy. And I thought they had a team that could have gotten there, but you know they had injuries to the quarterback position, and yeah, it just didn't work. I, you know, they're still a respectable team. Eight and four is nothing to is is nothing to sneeze at. They're five and four in the conference, so good good year. Um, about at expectations, I wouldn't say they exceeded expectations or below expectations. Number six, I have Illinois. They exceeded expectations. And again, they had everything in front of them. But their 8-4 and four and missing out on Indy is very different than Iowa missing out on Indy. Iowa's an established power in the West. Indy, uh, you know, Illinois, you know, as much as they had everything in front of them, people forget just no one expected them to even get to bowl eligibility. So I think I think even in the preseason magazine, uh, Phil Steele had Illinois the worst team in the West, either the worst or the second worst, and they were a Purdue loss away from getting back to Indy. So I know that people will look at the three game slide and think, "Ah, oh, Illinois, what are you doing?" Listen, they had a great season. Chase Brown, to be honest, got snubbed. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to argue against Mo Ibrahim and Ch- uh, and Blake Corum for the top running backs in the conference. But listen, Jace Brown was snubbed. I thought he's the best running back in the conference, and and uh, above Blake Corum. Blake Corum had the best offensive line in front of him. Like, and I have a lot of respect for Blake Corum, and he's probably going to get an invite to New York, and it's well deserved because of not just the fact of his stats, but who he's playing for. But Chase Brown was the best running back in the conference this year. Um, and so a lot of love to Illinois, uh, a lot of love to, to Brett Bielema. Number five, I have Maryland. I, I think their A game actually is, is better than everybody except the top three. Problem is they don't always bring their A game. But you know they they blew out uh, Rutgers. Uh, they played really tough against Ohio State down the stretch. I think if Tungavailoa was healthy, I, I think they they may have been eight and four or nine and three. But instead, they finished seven and five. But I, I I think explosive. I think they are very explosive, and I think defensively they had they have some guys on the back end. I think they're going to be a tough. They're going to be a tough out in bowl season. Uh, four, I have Purdue. Um, just on the merit that they are the West champions. 
and they earned it. They earned it with some some tough wins. Uh, they beat Maryland. They, you know, they 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 earned that spot. And then the top three, I think, is very pretty simple: Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, for duh reasons, right? All three are in the top ten. Penn State's only lost to Ohio State, Michigan. Ohio State's only lost to Michigan. So, top ten. I have Washington number ten. I think they're kind of the way they finished the season uh, leads me to believe that they are. I, I think a top ten team. Uh, Michael Penix has been just phenomenal there. Now he'll he'll be turnover prone at times, but he has been really really good. I've got Clemson at nine. I don't really want to put them at nine, but I'm not sure just who else to put. Like I could have put Utah. Uh, I could have put Kansas State, but I I just I'm putting Clemson there. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure they they win the ACC championship. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I've got Tennessee at eight. I just want to be clear: Tennessee being eight, honestly, with, with Joe Milton at quarterback, not not Hendon Hooker. It is indicative to me of how hard this is. Like, and and how particularly, I, I feel like the top seven's easy. Once you get to eight, it's pretty hard. So, uh, I, I've got Penn State at seven. I think their only losses are to two of the top five teams in the country. Alabama at six. And then there's a clear dividing line between Alabama and the top five. People are starting to say that Alabama should get in over Ohio State if uh, TCU or USC lose. First of all, um, well, I'll start with this. It's absurd. Bama's out. And if, and, and here's, my, here's the thing I'm, I'm going to talk about in a minute. The playoff is four spots and five teams. And if everybody, if all the favorites win, like there's no debate. Like there's just no debate to be had. So let me talk about that for a minute. Number five, Ohio State. Number four, USC. Number three, TCU. Number two, Michigan. Number one, Georgia. And if everybody wins, those top four are the top four. Not just because I said so, but because it's just absolutely clear. Every single one of those teams in the top four won their conference. They either have one or zero losses. They all have a varied resume with some good wins and some eh. Like, you know. And... Yeah, I just – it's clear. Ohio State's not getting in unless if USC loses. And I'm not sure if Ohio State gets in if TCU loses because a lot of the metrics would say that TCU has a better resume. I don't know if I, dis- I, don't know if I agree with that, but I think if, if Ohio State wants to get in, either they need USC to lose – or they need TCU to lose big, like by thirty points. Because otherwise, I I just don't think I, I don't think Ohio State's going to win the argument 
getting blown out at home without Michigan's best player on the field. I just don't think it's going to happen. And so I want to brace Buckeye fans. You need, like, if, if Ohio State fans want Ohio State to get in the playoff, USC has got to lose. That, like, it's plain and simple. And then, if not, TCU's got to lose, and they've got to lose spectacularly. And I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I think I think Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, that's going to be your top four. Um, which, you know, my top four in the beginning of the season was Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Utah. <laughs> goodness, I was wrong. Oh, my goodness. I was so wrong. Um, I was more wrong than Desmond Howard. That's just sad. That's a sad realization. It's more wrong than Des. To be fair, though, at least all four of my teams were eight and four better. He had Texas A&M and Pitt. And, I mean, he he got right on Michigan because he's a homer. So I'll take take credence in that. Um, I'm not a Desmond Howard guy, not just because I'm an Ohio State guy. All he does is laugh on college game day. He provides no analysis. I don't understand it. That's ah, neither here nor there. Um, real quick, just a few things. Uh, obviously, Cade McNamara transferring uh, to Iowa. I think that's a big win for the Hawkeye program. But they, they, they really do need to figure out their their offensive coordinator situation. They, they cannot keep Brian Ferentz. Like that that's got to change. Or Brian Ferris has to commit to being being better. Which, again, at some point you are who you are. Um. So that's that's big news. Some sad news. Blake Corum is out for the year. Which, you know, I am a Buckeye fan, but as a football fan, it sucks. Now, Donovan Edwards showed that. He's no joke, which I've, I've been on the Donovan Edwards train for since the beginning of the season. But it, it's still it's sad when, when you have a great player, and he has been great for the Wolverines, for him to miss the playoff. Uh, it, it's just a bummer. I feel, I feel particularly just awful for Blake. Um, I think Michigan will be fine. Like I, I think Donovan, it, it does thin out the depth. But Donovan Edwards, especially if he, he can be more used out of the backfield, he is a dangerous, dangerous weapon. And I, I especially if they start, get JJ in the in the quarterback run game, I think that can be very, very dangerous with them moving forward. So I I like you know I I don't. It certainly affects Michigan, but I just don't think it's it's going to be a huge deal for their offense. Mozzie Smith, on the other hand, he was, a, a, I think, charged with a weapons assault. I, I've seen, like, not weapons assault. Um, I, I forget the actual charge, but I, I've seen it could be as as simple as his 
permit to carry uh, his uh, gun permit to carry expired and I, I'm not sure everything that happened, but there is an investigation going on. Um, I have not seen if he is playing or not. Um, so I will look into that and, and get to that in my game preview um, after the break. But he, he is facing a felony weapon charge. Um, that is the actual um, – thing he he lacked a valid concealed pistol license when he was pulled over so i i don't know everything that's going on i don't know if he's going to play um i'll look into that before i i talk about the the game and then the the last thing that is i think just very sad is mickey joseph was arrested for um, domestic violence. He allegedly strangled and put, punched uh, a woman, uh, possibly uh, his his wife. Um, it's domestic uh, domestic assault. Um, I, I'm not going to comment too much on it because it's a sensitive situation. It's just sad. And it's just sad. I mean, I thought he, you know, all year I've been a Mickey Joseph guy. Um, but, it, you know, it's just a sad situation. Obviously, if it if it's true and he did commit that, which I, you know, these things don't just happen, right? Typically when there is an arrest, there's a, when there's some smoke, there tends to be fire. So I, I just pray for that situation and for his wife and for his family. Um, I pray for him. And uh, yeah, I, I want to, I don't want to comment too much more on it. I don't want to gossip and slander, um, but we'll, we'll keep our attention to that situation as, as things come up. Um, but the reality is, and I'm, I'm going to just state this, that domestic abuse is, and assault is always wrong. Um, and my heart goes out whenever it's a, when it happens or when it's reported, um, my heart goes out to the people involved and to the, whoever the victim is, because to be in that situation is it's scary. It's traumatic. Um, and it's, it's not just a one-time thing, um, in the sense of like, you have to live with that. You have to live with that mark. And, and Mickey Joseph's going to have to live with that and live with the shame of that. Um, if he did in fact do that. So I'm going to take a break and then we'll talk about the games coming up this week. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I'm just going to do the Power 5 championship games because, quite honestly, UCF and Tulane, while I think will be a very entertaining game, I have no idea about those teams. Just just being honest. So we're, gonna, we're just going to do the Power 5 games. 
obviously this is coming out Friday morning, so the first game is Friday night. And this is the game that's going to determine, I think, ultimately going to determine the full playoff field. Because I think the top three teams can lose and still get in, unless if TCU just gets blown, blown out. Then I think there's a debate. But tonight, Friday night, 8 p.m. on Fox, we have number 11 Utah versus number 4 USC. USC is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The game is played in Las Vegas. Um, I I think it rotates um, year to year. But this is for the Pac-12 championship. Second-to-last Pac-12 championship game that USC can play for because they are obviously going to the Big Ten. Winning a second time is hard in a season. So Utah beat USC 43-42. to And that is USC's only loss, which, and it's by one point. And it's hard for me to, man, I I feel like I'm being slow on this. It's hard for me to... to see a way that Utah wins this game. And it's not because I don't think Utah can can keep up with USC. Um, you know, Utah lost uh, Brent Keithy, one of their top players, one of their top tight ends, who I think is really, really good. Cam Rising has been really good for, for the Utes. Um, but you look at Utah... And, and kind of just their the way their season's gone. They lost to Florida early on, but it's not you know they it's not like they have a ton of momentum since that USC win. They beat Washington State by four. You know they they crushed Arizona. Good for them. Beat Stanford by thirty five, and then they lose to Oregon. Now is at Oregon, and then they you know they have an easy win against one of the worst teams in the Power Five in Colorado. So I, it's hard for me to, to see Utah, you know, there's just a lot going against them. Like momentum, not really going with them. They have to beat USC a second time. And, and just a reminder, USC went to Utah. So like it was when they beat USC by one point, it was at home. Now it's a neutral site. USC has more on the line. And so I that's not to say that Utah can't pull it off. I, I just look at USC, they have momentum, right? Like they they also beat Colorado, but then they went to UCLA, won the rivalry game, had a big win against Notre Dame. So is, is there a is there a, a pathway in the sense that USC is exhausted because they they had their top two rivals one after another and then they get to Utah and they're just all strung out and now and they're on a short week and Utah um you know is able to run all over them and Cam Rising has another another big game in them sure I I think so um I think that's that's possible 
I just think I think Lincoln Riley's too good of a coach to let that happen. I think Caleb Williams is really, really talented. And they have, I think, the best one of the best receiving cores in the country. And so give me give me USC in a high scoring game, uh, forty five to thirty five. I think USC wins and they punch their ticket to the playoff. And, and and I think what's going to be a very entertaining matchup between Georgia's defense and USC's offense. So give me USC there. Uh, they cover the spread is two and a half. Um, we're going to go to Saturday at twelve p.m. You have number ten Kansas State against TCU, number three. Uh, Kansas State nine and three, and you know they they lost to TCU by ten. Since then, uh, they're on a three-game winning streak. They beat Baylor 31-3. They beat Kansas by 20 uh, in their last game, beat West Virginia 48-31. Whereas TCU is coming off uh, a big win against Iowa State, but the, the week before that, they only won by one point to, to Baylor. And so I – again, it's hard to win – Twice against the same opponent. And I think Kansas State has momentum. I think they, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to remember, because I, I have not followed Kansas State all that much. Adrian Martinez is no longer the starter, I believe. Uh, I think he's out. He's hurt. Um, Will Howard has taken over, and he's been he's been pretty good. 13 touchdowns to two picks. Uh He's averaging close to, uh, he's averaging over nine yards in attempt, passing attempt. Um, you know, he doesn't, he's not as much of a run threat, but he has been a much better passer. So I, I like Kansas State in this game. I think they have a little bit more explosion capability. Deuce Vaughn as the running back, I think might give TCU some fits. Um, and TCU has played a lot of close games, and at some point, at some point, that comes back to bite you. I think it's close, and this is going to change my playoff pick. Actually, um, I, I've got Kansas State winning thirty-four to thirty, and because of that, I said USC would face Georgia. I think USC will face Michigan, and Kansas State will face Georgia. That's that is my, or not Kansas State, TCU. TCU will face Georgia. Um, so I've got Kansas State winning, but TCU going to the playoff because I, I I think if they lose close, I think they're in. Um, Four p.m. on CBS, you have number fourteen LSU versus number one Georgia. Georgia is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. The game's in Atlanta. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. It's like at home, Georgia is, I think, I think defensively can, can contain Jaden Daniels. And I just think that running game for Georgia and that the tight end Brock Bowers is just, he's a load. And so I think it's going to be a, a tough game for Brian Kelly Really good season, right? You know, beat beat Alabama, but 
I think he gets a dose. Uh, he 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 gets a dose of the best team in the country, and Georgia wins, going away. I, I've got thirty eight to seventeen. Uh, Georgia covers that line. At eight p.m. on ABC, number nine Clemson facing number twenty three North Carolina. The game is in Charlotte. Uh, Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite. I don't know, man. It's Clemson is ten and two, but they're like a soft ten and two. But North, it's it's hard because I, if North Carolina won on a two game skid, I would have picked North Carolina easy. Um, I think to beat Clemson, you need at least some sort of a good defense, and North Carolina doesn't have that. The, the, the DJ Uyunglele has been good against lesser defenses. They've been able to survive against lesser defenses. It's the teams that have had better defenses that have really made Clemson pay. So South Carolina has a little bit more on defense. Notre Dame has a much better defense. And they, you know, they frustrated Clemson. I don't think Clemson I, I think I think UNC will score, but I think Clemson's defense will limit Drake May just enough. And I think Clemson Clemson wins kind of like in a in a 28-21, 31-24 type of game where UNC scores, but they're not as effective as you think they'll be because Clemson's D-line is legit. And I, I think Clemson wins. I don't think they cover. The, the line seven and a half. But I think Clemson covers. Or no, I think Clemson wins, not covers. Uh, I'll say 31-24. Uh, it'll be a touchdown game. And then, of course, the Big Ten game of the week. Purdue facing number two Michigan. Michigan's a 17-point favorite. Games at Lucas Oil Stadium. Purdue is 3-0 against top three teams – no, top two teams or better. No, top three teams or better. Um, is it top three or top two? I think it's top two. They're 3-0 against top two teams under Jeff Brom. They're going to be 3-1 after this. <laughs> They're going to be 3-1 after this. this. This is not the type of Purdue team that I think can upset – a top two team. And if I'm being honest, the, the, the top two teams that they have upset have all had f- really fatal flaws. And Purdue has had a game breaker on offense. And they have and neither of those are true in this game. Charlie Jones is a is a fine receiver. You know, first team all Big Ten, deserves to be first team all Big Ten. But he's a possession guy. And I, I don't think he can stretch Michigan's defense quite like other receivers can. He's not like a Rondale Moore. I know David Bell was a slower receiver, but he, he just had a knack for getting open. Um, Michigan does uh, – and you have to remember that the, the number two teams that Purdue has faced, it was Iowa last year. They weren't very good offensively. They, they beat Michigan State last year. Michigan State overachieved. 
They beat Ohio State in 2018. They couldn't stop anybody in 2018. And so Rondale Moore had, like, the game of his life. None of that is true against this Michigan team. I know Blake Corum's out. I know there's questions about Mozzie Smith. I did not find out if he's playing or not. Even if Mozzie Smith doesn't play, it doesn't matter. Michigan's depth on the defensive line and the front seven is is too good. Michigan's offensive line is, I think, maybe the best offensive line in football. And I I think Donovan Edwards has a big game. I, I don't think Michigan covers because I think Purdue's underrated as a defense. Um, I think their secondary is good. Uh, their secondary is better than Ohio State's. I will say this, though. If you go back and look at Ohio, the, the Michigan-Ohio State game. Ohio State, that, that game looks worse than it was. Ohio State had chances to put that game away in the, in the first half. And it really came down to the fact that Michigan kept pounding away, pounding away, and then they broke off big runs. But you, you take away that fourth quarter as a one point, I think it was a one point game going in the fourth quarter. Um, it was either one or eight, I forget, or 11. Um, no, it was, it was either a four point game or 11 point game. I'm trying to remember. Um, but. Ohio State had chances, right? Like they they shot themselves in the foot with penalties and with missed play calls and, and bad opportunities uh, or uh, bad execution. But it, it wasn't like – I think a lot of people, and me included, was like, oh, man, Michigan dominated. If you actually look at the numbers, look at – it wasn't pure domination. So do I think that Purdue can hang with Michigan with the way Purdue's built? I, I do – but I, I I think the thing that people need to realize about Purdue is they are a passing offense, but they don't get a lot of explosives. It's a lot of possession type stuff. And so it, it, it forces Purdue to be perfect, and I don't think they're gonna I don't think they'll be perfect. So I like Michigan to bear to barely not cover. But I think it's a two-score game. I'm, I've got 31-17 Michigan over Purdue. And they, Michigan is locks in the number two seed. And the fallout of this, number one will be Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Number three will be USC. Number four will be TCU. Which means the way my track record has gone, that's not going to be what happens because I've been wrong like every, every week of the of this season. So... As a Buckeye fan, I hope I'm wrong. I hope USC loses tonight. No offense to if you're a Trojan fan listening in. But that's been this has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast again. Leave a review. Uh, send me an email. Tweet, tweet back at me with your thoughts. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Take care. God bless. 